Significant changes are needed to address various community safety and well-being needs in the 21st century. To do so, the existing culture of policing must change. To ensure greater transparency and public accountability, we have recommended a range of measures. That is Leanne Fitch, who was Commissioner of the Public Inquiry, uh, a three-member commission that held the public inquiry into the 2020 mass shooting in Nova Scotia. Uh, they issued their final report actually only about an hour ago. It just came out. You might, you'll remember this case. It was uh, an awful case. The public inquiry... Um, the shooting was three years ago, as I say, almost to the day. Um, they released the final report this morning. They detailed the events of April 18th and 19th of 2020. Uh, if you remember, a man dressed like a Mountie driving a replica RCMP cruiser shot and killed 22 people over the course of 13 hours. And over the course of the public inquiry, which lasted for months, um, more than 200 witnesses testified, including 80 members of the RCMP. There were thousands of documents introduced as evidence. Uh, like I say, it went on for months, and today we get the findings of that inquiry. And joining us to walk through it is Adam Rogers, a Nova Scotia-based lawyer who's been closely involved with proceedings right from the beginning. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for having me on, Shay. Um, you were there for, for much of this inquiry. I mean, you followed this very, very closely. I did. I followed it closely. I thought it was important uh, for the public to have uh, an analysis done by a lawyer that would uh, give them a little more insight. I mean, it's a complicated process. It's a public inquiry, a lot of witnesses, a lot of moving parts. And so I was trying to do my part to help people understand what was happening. So this this report that comes out today, I mean, obviously, when we were talking about hundreds of witnesses, and there's a bunch of different things involved in this report, but it sounds like one of the primary focuses was the police response. RCMP get a lot of criticism in this final report, don't they? They get a lot of criticism. Now, the report came out uh, just today. It's just under 3,000 pages, but I've, I spoke to a number of people who had a chance to read it, some media members and, and participants, and so, yes, the, the recommendations seem to focus uh, mostly on the RCMP, and they go quite far. Like, I, in my own report, uh, which I wrote a few months ago, I recommended replacing the RCMP as the policing force. The commission doesn't go quite that far, but very close to it. I mean, they recommend many changes and that the province should look at how contract policing is done. Yeah, and they talk about, you know, th th not only did they fail to prevent what happened, obviously, but they failed to respond to it properly. They didn't react. I mean, essentially, they go through the entire police response and, and cite failures at every turn. Is that what sort of came out during the course of the inquiry, sort of detailing how the RCMP dropped the ball on this right from the beginning to the end? From the beginning, uh, you know, whether it was not believing people in the community who were giving them important bits of information that could have saved lives, and then when they found out that uh, that the perpetrator was dressed as an RCP officer and had to replica vehicle, then they didn't communicate that important information to the public, and so there was, uh, they were criticized for that as well. Yeah, you make a, a good point when they talk about the communication and how they sort of relate things, not only to the public, Adam, but also to each other uh, within the RCP, like the whole communication protocol, if there was one, and I don't know that there was for sure, uh, it, it was a major part of what went wrong over the course of, you know, less than 24 hours, right? Well, you hit the nail on the head in a sentence there because they there were supposed to be protocols for critical incidents and how these yeah. things were supposed to happen, previous recommendations uh, from other reports, but those weren't implemented. The officers who were responding 
weren't aware or didn't use those uh, you know those things that had been previously recommended and so and then there was other officers from other municipal forces who weren't didn't become involved uh, were kept in the dark even though the incident was happening very close by so there was many communication failures throughout the incident um, when you talk about the recommendations there's 130 of them that are contained within this report 75 of them relate directly to policing and like you say they're talking about a thorough review of the RCMP and contract policing uh, in Nova Scotia. Could this be the end of the RCMP in the Maritimes? Are we getting ahead of ourselves there? Potentially, but one of the recommendations is for the province, and and policing is a provincial responsibility, even though the RCMP is a federal Mm -hmm. agency, that the province has to relook at how contract policing is done. So you may see the province turning to a provincial police force or some amalgamation of municipal forces in response to this. They also talk a lot about red flags. And like you mentioned, the fact that, you know, people just weren't believed when they told police about what was going on with this guy, um, including gender-based violence was sort of overlooked and wasn't dealt with uh, appropriately. So um, prior to any of this ever happening, there were missed opportunities, right? That's what they, you know, they they talk about the context of all this and how, you know, not, of course, not every domestic violence case escalates, but many cases that escalate have started with a domestic violence situation. And so people need to respond better to domestic violence allegations and, you know, change the culture on how domestic violence is, I guess, regarded by bystanders, by uh, by people involved, and in, in by communities and policing. So uh, a real overhaul of, of how that... And so, you know, preventing things is difficult, but seeing things coming and, you know, getting the context better before in advance of any kind of uh, tragedy. I guess that's where their, their focus is. Right, yeah. And, 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 you know, we mentioned the gender-based violence, which was obviously important, but it goes beyond that, right? I mean, this guy had also threatened members of his own family, and people had reported the fact that he was he was amassing a stockpile of illegal firearms, and it seems like nobody acted on these reports, despite the fact that there were lots of people telling RCMP that things were going off the rails with this guy. Yeah, and there's a, you know, a sense that because this was in a rural area that it wasn't treated as seriously in a sense and that perhaps the RCMP doesn't uh, treat rural policing as seriously as it does. You know, this is uh, considered sometimes a, you know, a first posting for officers and a way to get your, you know, get your feet under you as an officer rather than being treated as something where senior officers are expected to, to go and you know, lead rural police forces. So that has to change as well, I think. You know, and then we talk, that's that's before. Um, then we can talk about what happened after. Um, and she was charged. I, I mean, in terms of what happened with this, she was charged with um, supplying ammunition to the killer. And unfair, I mean, it, it, the response after the fact was almost as bad, maybe even worse in some ways, than what happened before. Yeah, she was, you know, so Miss Banfield, the spouse of the, the gunman, you know, she was really manipulated by the police. You know, in a sense, of course, she was the, the first victim, although, of course, that was never tested in court, uh, you know, under cross-examination, but that everybody kind of considers her the first victim. But then the police uh, interviewed her and was trying to get extracting information from her and treating her as a victim in a sense, but then they turned around and charged her. Yeah. So was really, she was treated very unfairly. So where where do we go from here, Adam? Now that we've got the report with, uh, like we say, uh, you know, over a hundred recommendations being made, what in terms of getting those recommendations implemented, or you know, where do we go from here? What's next with this plan? 
the commissioners were very adamant about urging uh, the politicians, and there were many politicians here today, by the way, the Prime Minister was here, Premier was here, opposition leaders, uh, federal ministers, uh, Mendicino and, and Fraser were here. And so uh, the commissioners were urging all of these politicians and police leaders to you know, put their shoulder to the wheel and implement these recommendations. Now, <laughs> maybe a little bit to ask before people have actually read the report and accepted that mm-hmm. they're persuasive recommendations, but that is the uh, that is the hope of the commissioners, at least. Yeah, with a pretty strict timeline, they want <laughs> a chair to be in place, funding, and a framework by May 31st, so the clock's ticking only yeah. two months. Yeah, that's not a lot of time in, uh, in the way government moves sometimes, but, uh, you know, these are... You have to you have to get these things going while people's attention yeah. is focused on it, and I think that's probably what the commissioners are thinking there. Yeah, no question about it. Adam, thank you so much for your time today. I do appreciate you being here.